When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. You've heard me talk about Cog Hill every single episode this season, and we will continue to do so because they are one of the premier golf destinations in the Chicagoland area. Featuring 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread, Cog Hill has just upgraded their entire practice academy to include Top Tracer, two bars, a food truck, and a full family experience that anyone will enjoy. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn more. We are also brought to you by our friends over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. If you're looking to upgrade your game this year, or if you're just trying to pick up some new pieces of golf apparel, or even some training aids to help you score better, WorldwideGolfShops.com has you covered. The best part about this website is they always offer incredible deals on some of the newest equipment, even just days after its release. Once again, it's WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. This is your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com, and you can find me all over social media at GolfUnfiltered. Hope everyone enjoyed the weekend. If you watched the Tour Championship, like I did, at least on Sunday, we were treated to some fantastic golf between uh, eventual winner Rory McIlroy as well as Scotty Scheffler in the final group. Scotty not playing his best on Sunday. And uh, as I sit here and record this on Monday morning, understanding that uh, this week's podcast is a little delayed, I can't help but uh, reminisce on just the crazy, crazy year that existed in professional golf, and that's going to be today's episode, almost a little bit of a recap of uh, the last year in professional golf. There's obviously a new budding competing tour, Live Golf, that we've talked about many times on this podcast, as well as if you follow me on social. I mean, that's what everyone's talking about. And we're going to have maybe one other episode this week uh, with an interview on a product line that uh, we've had on before and more to come later on that. But let's dive in. We've covered the competing live golf many times, as I mentioned, on this show. And there's all sorts of different opinions that one can hold. And my opinion on it has changed over the months now, I guess you could say. Uh, I still am not a fan of the way that professional golf is right now. And it's not just live golf. The PGA Tour is uh, in that same category of just, it's it's kind of an ugly landscape right now if you're a golf fan specifically a fan of uh, the men's side of the game and even yesterday's victory by Rory which was exciting it was uh, a lot of drama towards the end there the uh, interesting drop that he got the TIO on the 18th hole after he uh, almost uh, I would guess maybe a yard away from sailing his approach shot into that par five into the stands and then the entire story changes all the way up to 
the trophy presentation where everyone was waiting, at least I was, to hear what Rory might say if he was going to say anything about Live Golf. He didn't overtly mention Live Golf in his immediate post-round interview. He did say that the PGA Tour, he felt, was the best place in the world to play golf. And he actually saved any comments regarding Liv, even kind of sideswiping them for his uh, press conference after his round, long after he uh, publicly held up the trophy and whatnot. So while all of that makes for interesting, you know, whatever you want to call it on social media or if you are entertained by that sort of thing, and I would admit, you know, I, I have been pretty entertained by how weird this year has finished but it also kind of paints a picture of how pro golf is right now and I'm not sure it's one that we all really enjoy all that much it's not it's not benefiting the game in any way despite how often the phrase grow the game gets thrown around this this is not that as much as we enjoy hearing opinions being shared by the pro golfers like Rory and others uh, especially if they're done in a intelligent, cohesive way. There's also the other side of that, where it becomes bickering a bit. And at some point, you're going to start losing people. Now, Rory probably has a little bit of leeway there. Uh, he's a very likable professional. Fans love him. He's probably got some runway left before making comments that people are like, all right, that's enough. However, even just reading some of the comments on social media, which unfortunately, as much as it is not real life, Twitter is not real life, it does reflect the opinions, at least most of the time, of real people. And that's kind of scary. And those opinions weren't the most positive for Rory yesterday following the comments that he made. Now, I won't go into the specific comments that he made you can go on and google and and search for those or just go on social media and see what he said in the presser but on the other side of the i guess competitive landscape you've got the live players lee westwood being the most outspoken at least recently talking about uh the changes that the pga tour announced just before the tour championship how they're going to double the uh, player impact program purse uh, that's a phrase you don't want to say too many times <laughs> too too quickly. Um, and they're also making changes to the top-tier players. There's this new phrase that they're throwing around. And, and Lee Westwood was pretty, along with Greg Norman, of course, uh, noted blowhard <laughs> Greg Norman, um, they were pretty outspoken, saying that this was uh, essentially a direct copy of what Live Golf was trying to do. And, of course, it's not. There are similarities, but... Um, you can't compare a tour that still hosts 72 whole tournaments to that of a tour who hosts 54 shotgun start holes. Um, and there are, of course, other differences as well. Now, in years before now, most of the chatter, if there was any quote-unquote controversy around professional golf, it was usually, oh, did somebody make a bad drop? Did uh, somebody anchor a putter? against their chest or their belly. You know, those were the types of things that we talked a lot about. That was the drama that we had. I I almost long for those days now because I was joking with uh with Matt Lawrence who is a uh, active 
golf Twitter participant as well as a host over at ESPN uh, Radio. Um, I was on his show recently, and we were kind of reminiscing about the good old days of when those were the big issues that we worried about. Those were the things that drew ire from golf Twitter and and even the commentators on television. But now, here in 2022, the PGA Tour season is now effectively done, at least for the next few days before the new season picks right back up. Everyone is still talking about, oh, who's going over to live? Where is this uh, litigation going to go? Even though we now know that the uh, lawsuits that have been filed, the judge has pushed any trial to 2024. So we're not going to really hear anything about that for a while. But that has overtaken the narrative of professional golf in the men's side. Now, in a lot of ways, this is sad to me because... Of all the good things that we saw from a golf, like on the golf course perspective, from Rory and Scotty yesterday, and a handful of others, but they essentially it was a two horse race, uh, with of course respect to Sung J M, who ended up finishing a shot out. None of that really mattered, even with this idea that the chosen one, the savior of professional golf, whatever that means, Rory winning the tour championship, you couldn't possibly write a better ending to perhaps the weirdest season that I can remember in men's professional golf. It's also perfect that there's a Netflix documentary that's been filmed over the last, I believe, two years, uh, certainly over the last year. Um, and that's going to come out, I believe, by the end of the year. It, it's going to cover all of these things. And I would imagine that They've got a great editing team. They're going to put something together that's just going to document the weirdness of this year in a way that is almost like the last dance, that documentary series documenting the uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen era uh, Chicago Bulls. And I'm excited to watch it, and I hope they do it well. I, I have no doubt that they, they will. But it's a, it's a fitting... Uh, how to say this? It's a fitting vehicle to document all of this. You know, Netflix streaming on demand, get the news when you want it. That's the way all sports are covered now, especially golf. And so it's hard to not think about how to continue to cover golf here at Golf Unfiltered, at least as it relates to professional golf. Now, when I started this thing years ago, many years, I forget how long it's been now, I believe this podcast has been around for over six years. We talked about professional golf a lot. And we've said many times on this podcast that you can go other places now. There are a million and one podcasts in the golf space that you can listen to, and many of you do, many of whom are much better than ours. So, uh, And I admit that freely. And over the years, we've seen many, many different uh, formats covered here on the Golf and Filter podcast. We talk a lot about equipment. We talk a lot about uh, products and uh, this year, we've transitioned away from solely the interview-based format to what we're doing now, or what you and I are doing right now. Me speaking, uh, almost doing my, my best Sam Harris uh, impersonation, um, and you listening, and then you providing feedback to me via email or social media, and I continue to, uh, to appreciate all the feedback that you provide. And I feel that this format still holds value 
despite every other podcast, or at least the ones that I've come across, featuring some sort of interview format. Because I do believe that, and maybe I'm wrong, tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that there's still room for direct opinionated reflection, I guess, on current events. And we'll continue to do that. I'll continue to record episodes like this. Of course, Nikki Dunnigan, my teammate at Golf Unfiltered, uh, she had a fantastic podcast series around the Masters called Memoirs from Magnolia Lane. She'll likely do additional series like that. She's got free reign to do whatever she wants creatively. But it almost forces people like us and other shows and other websites to rethink the way that we cover the game. The professional side of the game is always an important part. But I don't believe it's the only part. It's something we have to talk about, but it's not something that we have to dwell on. And if I've learned anything over this past year in uh, professional golf, again, I, I apologize. I continue to have to preface it by saying, or whatever, the men's side of the game, because there's still an entire side of the professional game that hasn't been impacted by all of this nonsense. It's important to still talk about what's happening. And what I learned was that it's it's not only important to talk about it, but it's also important to to weed through I don't know if it's misinformation or if it's just misconceptions that are being thrown around regarding what's happening. So what do I mean by that? Well, when you talk about or when you see conversations regarding Live Golf and the PGA Tour, you're seeing a lot of the things like where the money's coming from, uh, stones being thrown across both sides regarding the format of the tours, and of course the money itself, the amount of money that's being thrown around. And then you see, well, the what about crowd, and I've spoken about this at length, so I won't go into too much detail here, but I firmly believe that if your argument is, well, they're doing it, so why can't we? I mean, that goes back to like our childhood, what, what our parents hopefully taught us. If everyone jumps off a bridge, are you going to do it? To use a very tired and old cliche. The differences between the, the funding of Live Golf and other brands and sponsors and even the PGA Tour itself, you know, all accepting Saudi Arabia money, it's, it's a weak argument. And I won't get into all the finite details here because admittedly I'm not an expert in them, but there is a difference just to put this out there because I'm seeing this all over the place. There is a difference between being directly funded for a very specific purpose by a government and accepting dollars from the country or doing business within the country, if you're a particular brand or a company, th there is a direct difference there. Some may think that that's wrong. Some may think that, that no, Adam, you're, you're crazy. There is no difference. It's just hypocritical what the PGA Tour players are saying and others. And at the end of the day, when there is a 
a kingdom in this instance, Saudi Arabia, that has such immense wealth and business aspirations, it's going to be hard to find any companies, professional leagues or anything, that don't accept some money from them. That's just a fact. It's also true that live golf is a hobby of the Saudi Arabian kingdom. That it, it just is. It's no different than, and I believe Garrett Morrison of the Fried Egg, uh, in an interview he did on this topic, he put it very nicely. It's no different than those rulers or MBS purchasing something. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. I feel bad for those players. I feel like perhaps they weren't uh, explicitly... It wasn't explicitly explained to them, I guess. Um, Maybe it was, and they didn't care. But uh, all of these things can be true at the same time, is my overarching point. Hey folks, real quick, just to butt in here. I wanted to remind everyone that we have partnered with Gooder Sunglasses, G-O-O-D-R dot com slash no filter. And you're going to get a deal on already affordable sunglasses from Gooder.com. I have to wear sunglasses every time I play golf. I love these. They've got a ton of different styles. My wife loves them as well. And now is your chance to go and get a nice discount on them. G-O-O-D-R dot com slash no filter or use no filter at checkout. Let's get back to the episode. So don't let all of this just completely take away from the the core issue here. And that is men's pro golf will never be the same as it once was. You can say that players like Phil Mickelson and many others, because there were many others, were right about the PGA Tour. You would not be incorrect in making that statement. You could also hold the opinion, as Rory McIlroy did, that Phil went about it the wrong way, that these players are trying to make a point more than anything else. And of course, there are other players like Pat Perez and certainly others that are just taking the payday, and that's fine for them as long as they're up front. And at the end of the day, they don't owe us anything. We're seeing a lot in this, uh, I guess, a change in mindset from a fan's perspective on how we think about professional golfers. For the longest time, it was always like, oh, Tiger's doing this for us, for example. And, oh my God, he did so much for the game. And he did. He absolutely did. That's not my point. But these players don't, not all of them, but most of them, I would wager, don't care about you and me. They don't. This is their job. This is what they have chosen to do for a living. It's an individual sport, not team-based, as much as you know, Live Golf is trying to go that direction, and they may succeed with it. But these players are inherently selfish. And I know the word selfish has a negative connotation. It probably applies to most of the golfers in a negative light. But they don't owe us a damn thing. And now, from a fan perspective, and certainly from the journalists who are covering this whole escapade, I guess, it's a little bit tough to swallow. 
especially if it's challenging what we thought we knew about players that we watched on TV all the time. There was nowhere else to go. So they had to put on the, the, the corporate smile. They had to play and speak on the corporate line. Now there's competition. And so those are, you know, there are many people that say that competition is a good thing. Of course it's a good thing. If you have other options in the market from a consumer standpoint, that's a great thing. Everybody wants options. We talk about it with golf equipment, for example, in a different context, same sport, of course. But if everyone was forced to play the same type of golf club, then, I mean, how much fun is that? It's going to get really old really quickly. The same is true for anything in business. Now, all this talk about anti-competitive behavior, and I'm not a lawyer, of course, but we've had Will Bardwell on here a couple times in the past, and he certainly is a lawyer, and he talked a little bit about it. And as we continue to hear more about the actual presiding judge's uh, opinion on the matter, the fact that Live Golf exists and has been, for all intents and purposes, a success up to this point, it can't be anti-competitive then. The PGA Tour cannot be a monopoly. Live Golf exists. So, what's my point in all this? It's, it's to be careful with what you're reading and the opinions of the, are, are, that are being shared. I mean, Twitter, the hellscape that it is, and certainly I'm a contributor to it, you're going to get every flavor of opinion that you want regarding any of this. And there's no doubt, this is another big thing, there is no doubt that there are, I won't call them bots, but certainly Live Golf supporters who are paid by Live Golf who go onto Twitter and essentially just crap all over on the PGA Tour. That is happening. There is no doubt in my mind that that's happening. So, to bring it back to the main topic of today's episode, this year in professional golf really set up a few things, and it ended something else. What it ended was what we thought we knew and how we may have felt about men's professional golf up until this point that that is gone for as long and even if live golf for some reason folds and the the pgl something that we don't hear anything more about the the third potential competing league if that never comes out and if this new rory and tiger partnership with TGL, whatever that's going to be on Monday night starting in 2024, even if all those things go away and the only thing that remains is the PGA Tour, as it once was, we'll never think about it the same way ever again. That is done. That part of professional golf is long gone. The game will have to be covered differently moving forward because of everything that happened in this year. On that point, what's begun is a new way to think about professional golf. And because of that fact, it also gives us permission, or at least invites us, to decide if we like it or not. We are not innocent little bystanders here that just have to passively accept what's shown to us. We have choices here. 
if you don't like what's going on with all of this bickering between the two competing tours, then don't watch them. Personally, I might not watch professional golf aside from the majors next year. I don't, I don't know yet. I don't watch, and I haven't watched even prior to this year, I don't watch every tournament on TV. Certainly after COVID, when it was weird to see you know, tournaments going on with no galleries whatsoever, I tuned in almost weekly just to kind of see that, because what else was I going to do? But this isn't how I want to spend my time. I don't want to watch four days or even three days if I become a fan of Liv. Uh, I don't want to watch that. There's other things to do, especially in golf. And yes, I understand. I run a website. I host a podcast. There's other things I have to keep in mind and am, am responsible for. But there's so much more to enjoy about the game. And I've said this multiple episodes now. It, we don't have to be handcuffed to the professional side of golf. We can go out and enjoy this game however we want. It's a common refrain that we repeat not only on this show, but also on the writings that we do. And there's much more to talk about, even if it's tangential to golf. Uh, Things in life, things in business, things in every aspect of life. And we'll continue to cover those. We'll continue to comment on them. We'll have people on the show uh, talking about them, interviews. That will all continue. And I just... I want to wrap up this episode by inviting you all to do a couple things. One, don't get so wrapped up in good or bad, us or them, as it relates to men's professional golf. Leave that to idiots like me. Choose to enjoy this game however you want. As I said last episode, it's okay if you want to become a fan of Live Golf. It doesn't matter. Go ahead if that's what you like. If that's the new thing, it's obviously a very common behavior from people that they like to, you know, hitch their wagons to the new, bright, shiny toy. Go ahead and do it. No one will think less of you. Even Rory talking about his friends on the PGA Tour who are choosing to leave and go to live golf. They're still going to remain friends. He just doesn't agree with their business decision. That's fine. And if you are like me and you want to stick with the PGA Tour just because it's familiar, you enjoy the players that are there, you like the events that they play, that's fine too. It's not like you're being resistant to change. It's not like you're being some old fuddy-duddy or whatever. You can still like that too. And you can like both for as long as they're both around. Where do things end up between these two tours? I believe at some point they reach a compromise. I believe that there's going to be some merger or an acquisition of some sort where it's still going to be one league. I really believe that there is an opportunity there. I believe it's likely as well. People may differ with that opinion. And maybe it's not the best thing for golf. Maybe it is. Maybe the best thing for professional golf is to go towards the multi-league system like we see with other major sports. Nothing wrong with that either as long as it works, as long as it equates to ultimately good products 
that paint the game in a positive light, but even most importantly, doesn't do anything negative to the game. We don't want this to become, as much as I enjoy the analogy, we don't want this to become professional wrestling in any way because it comes across as fake. And yes, I know wrestling is still real to me, damn it. (laughs) So as we wrap up this PGA Tour season, and as I've alluded to many times in this episode, we will not cover professional golf exclusively. We haven't for years here at Golf Unfiltered. Uh, There's certainly going to be opportunities for us to talk about it. We may have a few uh, guests on like we have in the past to talk about the ever-changing landscape of pro golf, but that is just one element of golf that we will continue to cover here. As I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this show, we've got a couple uh, interviews uh, lined up for this week. I'm actually between jobs at the moment for my day job. Um, I do have another job coming up, uh, but I left my previous company uh, where I was for 12 years. Um, For those who don't know, I worked in healthcare for a long time as a project manager, and um, there's some changes that are coming up for me personally. And so my schedule might be a little wonky moving forward. I kind of, you know, you start a new job first time in a long time. You got to figure out the schedule, the culture, all that stuff. But we will continue to do our best to, to bring on not only guests that we know you find interesting, but also those who want to speak to other parts of the game, just like we have in the past. If you have any recommendations or if you're a brand listening to this or anybody really that would like to appear on this podcast, hit me up. You know where to find me. Adam at golfunfiltered.com is the email, or you can just send me a message or a tweet or whatever. I'm all over social media at golfunfiltered. Thanks as always for listening. We may be back again this week with an interview. Stay tuned for that. But until then, take care of one another, hit them straight, and we'll talk soon.